and welcome to a Christmas special episode of the EdTech podcast. Today we're going to talk about the booming educational toy market and in particular the toys with digital capabilities and suggest some questions that you can ask yourself when trying to decide what to buy. So who are we? Well, I'm Rose Luckett and I'm a professor at University College London and I'm the current host of the EdTech podcast. I've got a background in artificial intelligence and educational technology, having worked in that area for several decades. And I've also taught not just in universities, but in schools and colleges as well. Over to you, Karine. Hello, so I'm Karen George and I'm the Chief Educational Advisor for Educate Ventures. But prior to that, I was a head teacher for more than 20 years. I was also a strategic lead for an authority and more importantly, a parent of two children. I teach, train, write and speak nationally and internationally on educational leadership, parental engagement and the use of technology in teaching and learning. Right. Well, we have a set of questions that we believe are useful when you're trying to decide what to buy at this time of year, if you're looking for something that might be considered educational, even if only in the most general terms. We've picked some products that we're going to take you through uh, that seem to be selling very well this year. And over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll apply our questions to each of these products and we hope that you're going to find it useful. The idea that toys can be educational is not universally popular. And I personally am certainly a big believer in the importance of free play that engages children in using their imagination and has no intentional educational imperative. But of course, it is also interesting to look at toys that do have some intention to be educational. What are your thoughts, Karine? Well, I think, Rose, it's worth starting by reminding ourselves that toys are the tools of play. And the general definition of play is an activity that you can do for its own sake. So there is no imperative education, nor issue or otherwise. It's fun, pleasurable and something you want to do. There is inherent satisfaction gained from taking part rather than the desire for an outcome or reward. We don't make enough time for fun. And I think this is a mistake. But with with free play, the child steps out of his inner world and starts communicating with the outside world. And they learn to express their emotions. They connect with others to form resilient relationships. Um, They develop problem solving and develop their creativity. And all of these are, in fact, important to learning and child development. Absolutely. And there's nothing so joyous as seeing children happily playing, is there? I often think as adults, we really ought to try and reconnect more with our inner child and play more. But there was an interesting article uh, in The Guardian a, a few days ago by Alex Blasdell, uh, which came with the heading, Have Toys Got Too Brainy? How Playthings Become Teaching Aids for Young Children. And, and, and this article makes the point that, that the past two centuries have seen educators, psychologists, toy companies and parents acting as if the purpose of play is to optimise children for adulthood. In particular, the rise of neuroscience in the second half of the 20th century has resulted in toys increasingly being marked with claims about building better brains, with particular pressure in this respect on children under five. And toys are big business too, as Alex highlights. In 2020, the broad category of educational toys was making nearly £55 billion worldwide. And that's a figure that's forecast to double within a decade. So this is serious money, isn't it? Now, obviously, 
your personal taste and, and the preferences that you, your child, your family have are important. But what we've tried to pull together are some general questions that you can use in addition to looking for things that you think are, are things you would like or your child would like more accurately. Because we believe there are some general questions that you can ask yourself and that could be helpful in guiding your decisions to buy to try and make sure that you get the best value for your money. So the three questions I've chosen, Rosa, one is user agency. So one of the potential advantages that technology brings is the potential for the child to gain some agency. That's to be in charge of it, so to speak. So what does this tech do to enable that agency? For example, is there appropriate and personalized feedback? Is the child required to figure something out for themselves or on their own? So they're in charge. That's what we're after with user agency. My second question for you to all think about is, is it versatile to meet the specific needs that your child has? For example, if the child has a problem with fine motor skills, small controllers or keyboards may not really be the best option for them. If they are visually impaired, they may need text-to-speech or to be able to connect to Braille, for example. And is it age-appropriate for them? And then my third one for you to look at, and very importantly, uh, with everything that's happened this year, is value for money. Will you need to buy additional accessories? You need to think about that because your initial budget could be completely blown if it requires extra accessories such as headphones or controllers, you know, especially if children want to play with other children. And is it durable? If you're buying a, a device that isn't durable and robust, then again, you've wasted your money. And are there any subscriptions? Another thing to think about. Over to you, Rose. What questions did you pick? Well, not surprisingly, my first question is, is there any evidence that this toy that claims to have some educational value does have any educational value or has the potential to have some educational value? So I'll be looking at that. Then my second question is really about whether this is something that's going to sustain a child's engagement beyond that initial wow factor. We don't really want a toy that you've spent £50 on or whatever that, yes, it's great for Christmas Day, maybe even Boxing Day, and then never gets picked up again. So can we look at the ways in which the technology of the toy can engage beyond that first wow factor? A very well-worn phrase in academic circles is the notion that uh, sometimes products can be chocolate-covered broccoli, and we need to avoid that. And then my final question of the three is about safety and ethics. So if this is a toy that connects to the internet, for example, what's happening to the data of your child? Uh, how, how, how safe is your child when interacting with that particular toy if it's connecting to online activities? And what information about the child is being tracked or recorded and how is that information being used? And there's something called a PEGI rating, which I think Karine is going to say a little bit more about. The PEGI rating, there's a number of ratings that you can go on and look at. If you just put it in your web browser and look at them, it'll give you a detailed description of what they are, whether the content is appropriate for the age of the child, what is involved in it, whether it's got violence or inappropriate language. But it's really, really useful to have that guide when you're buying anything that involves gaming, for example. We've selected products on the basis of uh, an accumulation of best-selling lists from organisations such as Amazon and John Lewis. And we set a price limit of nothing over £100 because £100 is a lot of money, isn't it? So none of the toys are more expensive than that and, and, and most are considerably less. 
Right. So the first product is the VTech KiddieZoom dual digital camera 5.0. It's aimed at uh, youngsters between the ages of three and nine years old. Now, this camera is ideal as a first camera, as children can start creating memories by themselves or with their friends. It's a great toy, I believe, to enhance their creativity as the camera has features that are similar to, to the cameras that you might have as adults. Um, with Zoom functions, filters, fun photos, and a basic editor program, as well as a video function so that they can become their own directors of their own movies. Now, as for user agency, definitely, it allows the children to be creative, to bring back memories of special moments, events, and perhaps the occasions that you have in your family, and to understand their own family culture through the photos and the videos that they take. And it also serves an effective communication between young children and their parents, supporting their language development, particularly when you think that some, you know, for some children, language development uh, at a young age, they're not, it's not very sophisticated. So this is a mechanism that you can work and get feedback with and parental engagement can be part of that. Is it versatile to meet specific needs? Well, the actual camera itself isn't too heavy. So that's useful for younger children, you know, the very young ones particularly. It's made ergonomically well, so you can hold it still and straight. Um, and again, I just want to say for children who struggle to communicate, not just because they're young, but children who have communication difficulties, it is it's helpful to find out what's on their mind, what they're thinking and their understanding because of their limited written or even you know, their limited language proficiencies and their written language. So this is it's it's got a versatility to meet the needs of um, certain aspects of child, child development. And what about value for money for you? Well, I think it is value for money. There's no setup needed. The digital screen it um, captures images with a double viewfinder, which teaches youngsters about lining up an image by eye without having to coordinate closing one eye, which could be tricky for young children. It's got an internal memory that will store 200 photos, which I think is enough for young children. And it's sturdy and durable. It's robust. The only thing to be mindful of is just like an adult camera, if you want to buy extras to go with it, then that's going to make the toy far more expensive. You know, the, the thing you have to buy with it are four batteries. But if you want more than 200 photos, you want, you've want you also got to buy an SDD store card to store your photos on. And you may want a camera case as an added protection. So they are additional um, costs to you. So just on that value for money point, it's about £45, isn't it, on average? Yeah. It's, it's well below the 100, but you could soon wrap up the, ramp up the price if you're buying a case and SD cards and, and then you've got the batteries as well. So you're right. We need to look at all of those issues, don't we? So is there any evidence? Well, not specifically about this product, although there are some interesting user reviews. What I would say is, of course, one would love to see lots of information about user studies with details of the questions that were asked and information about the way in which the company that is producing this product or service goes about the process of aligning their product with a particular need for children and what their process is when it comes to collecting data and evidence about the way in which the product is or is not meeting that individual child's needs. What I would say is VTech is a company that's been around for a long time. So whilst there may not be a strong body evidence about this particular product, there is a, a strong body of user review evidence and evidence that the company takes seriously the process of designing for children that makes me feel that there is reason to believe that this product has been well designed. 
I was also have to say anecdotally that I have bought one of these for one of my grandsons and I would say he had an enormous amount of pleasure um, and I'm sure that he learned a lot from playing with the with the camera too. So when it comes to the wow factor, are we going to get that engagement beyond the initial uh, intrigue? Very positive reviews about engagement uh, when it comes to this particular product. And I think what Carrie's already said about user agency is super important here because if the child is gradually gaining skills, making decisions for themselves, they're far more likely to stay engaged in using the, the, the camera in this instance. Now, in terms of safety, um, big questions to ask when you're thinking about uh, safety is, does this toy connect to the internet? And this toy does not connect to the internet. So you can feel that at least in terms of data, they're quite safe. If you don't want the child to, to, to play the games, the games can be disabled and limited through parental controls. So. I think in terms of safety, this one also would get a tick from me. All the reviews I read about it were very, very positive, as you said, about engagement. The only criticism that I could find from many people on different review sites was that they were concerned about why it would have a game on it, because it detracts from it being its original use as a camera. But as you said, you can turn that off. So the next thing we're going to look at are speakers. Now, there's a huge variety of these speakers around. I'm quite intrigued by the speakers because I bought my granddaughter quite a few years ago a Yotto. And a Yotto is one of these speakers that's designed for young children. And I must confess that she's had an enormous amount of pleasure from it. And indeed, her mother then bought her a mini Yotto. And I have this year for Christmas bought my other grandson his first Yotto and he's nearly 20 months. So these speakers are quite interesting because they can be used by very young children and yet the interest can last for many years because the technology grows with the child. But one of the types of speaker that we found on the best selling lists that we were looking at is a, a Tony box. Now, there are quite a lot of these different Tony um, speakers out there, and this is just, just one of them. They, they are usually associated with some particular character, like Peppa Pig or, or whatever, and that may limit the age appeal of the speaker. But basically, there are no screens, no cables. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a speaker that the child controls simply through buttons, and through a set of cards that have different stories on, different activities on, some of them learning activities. And indeed, you can create your own cards. So you could have maybe a grandparent recording a story on one of these cards and then sending it to a grandchild so that they can play it perhaps as a bedtime story. The speaker will automatically turn itself off so that the child can go to sleep so you don't have to worry about remembering to turn it off. And although... The device can be connected to the internet through a Tony Cloud account. You don't have to connect it to the internet. And that has some issues when it comes to additional costs that I know Karim will pick up. But that's a general description. And as I say, there are several of these speakers around. As with the previous product, there is little evidence about 
the benefits of this particular product. So you need to look at things like user reviews, to look at user reviews and see whether the reviews are coming from somebody who's talking about a child that's maybe of a similar age to your child. Um, have a look and see uh, what specific things are being said in the reviews, things that you might need to watch out for, things that are particularly attractive or, as in the case with the camera and the games, uh, a factor, factors that features, sorry, that actually detract from, in this case, the speakers. So sadly for me, no hard evidence about exactly um, what the benefits of the speaker are, other than obviously what the manufacturer writes um, on the box or on the website um, to, to try and persuade you to buy the product. In terms of long-term engagement, as I say, there, there are some reviews that are, that are positive, that reviewers um, say that the speakers are easy to use, so you can have lots of different stories. Um, as I say, you can have stories that are personalised, created by somebody in the family, and that, that's a really nice touch. I think you can get potentially longer-term engagement by connecting um, the device to the internet, but that's a decision that as, as a parent you would need to make uh, as to whether that's something that you want to get engaged with. So there's potential for long-term engagement because as Karine will, will discuss when it comes to agency, there's certainly some evidence that an item like this would evoke strong user agency. And there's also the possibility of continued engagement by using the features that allow you to connect uh, the speaker to the internet. But that, of course, brings with it some safety features. There are parental controls, so you can use your Tony Cloud account and you can uh, easily adjust the settings through your Tony Cloud account and access rights and privileges can be altered on that for your speaker using the Tony Cloud account. And you can use the parental controls to make sure that your child only gets the, the material that you want them to be able to have. I don't know anything about how much data is collected by this device. And there isn't any information about what data is collected as you use the Tony Cloud account. I don't know how much information the company is keeping about the changes that you make. So that might be something that, that you want to perhaps ask some questions about. So this is an easy to use speaker for young children, can be extended as they get older, you can pick from lots of different stories. You can record your own. So you can have stories that fit different ages and tastes. And as I say, there is some extendability through being able to connect to your Tony Cloud accounts. Karine, what did you think about um, the idea of a, a speaker for children? So speakers have a, um, a variety of different features and you must be you must look at them carefully because they're all very different. But if we look at the two that Rosa has spoken about, they can aid children's social and emotional development by helping them to read or singing to children, which can help them emotionally become calm, particularly at bedtime when you want children to start to relax. Learning to identify emotions through listening to stories that expand um, vocabulary and auditory skills is also really, really useful. Um, and we use, and it uses words to communicate effectively. So children start to think about the words and, and, and copy them and try and use them in the right places. 
So it encourages self-directed learning through through games, particularly when they've listened to a story and they play, you know, Peppa Pig or they're playing the Gruffalo, which children often um, act out. Now, the Tony, you know, it's a listening device, but you can, as Rose said, record your own stories about the characters. Um, Very young children might need a little bit of parental help, um, but they can then play them back. You know, are these speakers, the two that Rosemont mentioned, are they um, versatile to meet specific needs? Well, smart speakers provide accessible technology for children with disabilities who, who can't may not be able to use a screen or a keyboard. The Tony, for example, has buttons that you have to, they're tiny little ears that you can use for controlling the volume. Um, and you can skip through the tracks left and right. So they're very easy to, you know, very easy to use. And you just shake the box, I think, at about 45 degrees. And also um, that will move things forward and backwards. And it's very robust. And lots of reviews said for very young children, two-year-olds that have dropped them and everything, that they've been fantastic. The Yotto Mini is really good for for sleep. Play free sleep radio at the push of a button, it says. And also it does, which is really interesting. You can enjoy white noise and sleep sounds. And you can set an alarm to to help children wake themselves up at the day. So here we're starting to learn to self-manage, you know, with our daily daily routines. So that's really, really good. But as I said, value for money, be careful. Look at what they're offering and what your child needs. Okay, so what you'll find is that these speakers come in at around £80, um, slightly less for the Yotto Mini. Now, in terms of value for money, be careful because they've got slightly different offerings. Tony um, doesn't have, which I would have liked to see, is a starter book um, in its in its set, you know, a book to go with the first character. Uh, and the other thing to, to, to be very mindful of with the Tony is you need to purchase a never-ending list of additional accessories in order to unlock more of the content. So each of the characters, if you want to use another character, is going to cost you around £15 each. If you want a carrier case, probably another 20 so your budget's going to increase on that. Thanks, Karine. I think with both the Yotto and the Tony, there would also be the additional cost of any cards you might buy for stories. So that's another cost that you would need to take into account. And so actually, I think, Karine, you're introducing our next product, which is the uh, smartwatch. Yes, this is the SFL 4G smartwatch for children or for kids, as they say, on their site. Now, this is a new smartwatch for kids with a lot of functions such as video calls, GPS location, SOS tracking. It's got games on it. It even comes in with a built-in pedometer and alarm clock. You can also pair it with your friends. If your friend has the same um, watch, style of watch, you've just got to nudge them and then you'll pair them. Now, in terms of user agency, this watch allows children to play games on it. It's got a calculator they can access and they've got a camera. So in terms of agency, one of the really good things about wearables like this is that they support health and the development of good habits and behaviours because the child gets self-tracking information about how how far they're walking or running. Um, And it helps develop self-regulation and awareness of their own behaviours. They can also collaborate with their parents who can then support and promote um, good, healthy living habits because, you know, the parents can share the data that they get. Is it versatile to meet specific needs? Well, the watch itself, when I looked at it, could be a bit bulky for some small arms, for some small wrists. The touchscreen is about 1.4 inches large. So I think that's that's fairly reasonable for young people to, to use. It's splash proof, which makes it useful because younger children don't think when they're washing their hands, they're going to get it soaking wet. 
It doesn't say it's completely waterproof. Um, as for value for money, if you want the forward, to use the 4G features, you're going to have to invest uh, in a SIM card and a plan. Or, you know, if you want to get the other functions, you could connect to the Wi-Fi. Rose, what about you? What do you think? Was there any evidence that you found with this watch? I think there's a huge benefit that our interconnected society brings is, of course, there are always lots of reviews. And although I know we've had lots of stories about people being paid to, to give reviews, I think if you read through the reviews, you can get quite a lot of useful information. So no, no real hard evidence about this product, except that it has been tested. So it was tested, actually, independent.co.uk did some testing and they looked at a range of functions, um, what kinds of tracking um, was offered, looked at the different interfaces, how easy it was for children to navigate the different interfaces. So not so much looking at evidence of maybe educational benefits, but certainly of usability, which is which is important, although very little information about how many people took part in, in the reviews. But again, it's not so much evidence from the company, it's an independent review. So interesting and useful. I think in terms of that longer term engagement, which also speaks to the idea of the existence of reviews. Yes, I think there is, you know, some hope that for a child, there's many things that you can learn through this watch and you can connect to other children. You can speak to your parents. You can do video calls. You can do phone calls. Um, you can use a whole set of, of different types of activities on the phone. So I think there's potential, generally because of the high potential for user agency, that this would engage a child for more than just the first few days. However, I do think there are some issues when it comes to the connectivity and exactly to what extent you want your child to be connected through what could be a phone, but in the shape of a watch. So it all depends, as far as I can understand, on whether you choose to go for one of these pay-as-you-go plans and you have a SIM card. Because obviously, if you have a SIM card and a pay-as-you-go plan, then your child is able to make phone calls. Now, of course, as the parent, there are strong parental controls with this device, and those parental controls will enable you to limit what your child is able to do and therefore you have certainly some fairly rigorous ways in which you can control safety but I do think it needs to be noted that if you go for that option then you do need to pay attention to making sure you're using those parental controls and that you are making sure that your child is safe when they're using it. There is as you've pointed out you know you can connect with other children who have the same watch by literally knocking the watches together that can be useful if you want to do some collaborative activities. I actually also noticed when it comes to safety carrying that there is an IPX7 waterproof certificate with phone, but that, as you pointed out, is really only about protecting from hand washing and rain outside. It's not going to do much, I don't think, if you wear it in the shower or go swimming with it on. So again, trying to make sure that your child understands what they can and can't do when uh, using this particular device. So I think lots of potential for engagement beyond the first few days. Yes, I think this is a device that has taken safety concerns very seriously. 
But I think you as the parent need to invest time in making sure that you have put the right safety measures in place. They look straightforward. I haven't done it myself because I don't actually have one of these devices, but it looks to me like it's fairly straightforward. You do need to be careful whenever your child is is being able to, 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 to make phone calls, but also when the connective defamplums, which include Wi-Fi, may enable them to have access to others um, and access to the internet. What was interesting with this watch is, and I don't know how I feel about this, is you can secretly listen to your child's conversations, which is something I've not seen on other young people's um, or on other watches that are similar to this, which which I I was a bit worried about. I don't know how you if you've got any thoughts on that. Um, and the, and there's one other thing I'd like to say when people are doing their reviews, particularly if you're doing it on Amazon, that you have a look. You can filter only validated reviews of per, real purchasers, and that's a useful thing to do when you're re-looking at reviews. That's a really good point, Karine. Thank you. I think that that's that's super important. Yeah, I. I'm not sure about the being able to secretly listen to your child's conversations with others. I can see why it might be there as a safety feature, but given that you can also already use the function that they've built in to shield your child from calls from any strangers, I would have thought if you had a child who was listening to a call or on a call, sorry, with somebody that you might be feeling you needed to listen to, maybe you would be wanting to not allow that call in the first place. So, yeah, I have some concerns about that, just like you. Um, And I think it's important to point out that that is one of the features because obviously parents will need to decide for themselves whether that's something they feel comfortable with. picked is the Code and Go robot mouse activity set. This was actually at the suggestion of Morgan D, our head of AI and data science at Educate Ventures. And she suggested that we take a look at the Code and Go robot mouse, who's actually called Colby, I think. So yes, Colby is the programmable Code and Go robot mouse. And according to the description from the company, young learners will have hours of fun whilst they program Colby the mouse to get the cheese through a maze that they have built for themselves. So the child can build a maze and then put instructions into the mouse, a sequence of steps. And if they get it right, the mouse will make its way through the maze and find the cheese. Now, we're talking about children around six is what this is, uh, the, the age range. I mean, recommended age range is four to ten, but I think... Personally, this looks about most optimally suitable for a child of around six. There isn't any specific evidence about this product that I could find, but there are decades of evidence about the value of this kind of approach to teaching children a logical sequence of steps that they then program into a device from the very early logo turtles, as they were called, to many products on the market since and currently. And so we know that these kinds of activities are useful for children and they can help them uh, to learn basically problem solving, putting sequences of steps together to improve their computational thinking. So there's certainly evidence that this type of device can be very effective. It's also sold by the Science Museum and I have a feeling that that also gives it some credibility. In terms of longer-term engagement, yeah, 
again, looking at the reviews, there's some very nice reviews suggesting you know, he asks for it every day and spent hours playing with this, had loads of fun. I think the fact that the child can build different mazes and, of course, put instructions in different instructions in different orders, see what works, see what doesn't work. OK, well, it's no surprise that I'm going to be agreeing with you over user agency and the importance of it, because obviously we, we teach a lot of coding in school. Um, it stimulates young people's interests. And I want to agree with you straight away because the children are using all sorts of coding programs now at very young ages in school. So this is geared much more towards the younger, you know, uh, nines and tens. No, I think you're right. It's it's down to the, the infant end. Um, but what it does, it stimulates their interest in new things that they discover as a result of the actual process Learning to code, what it does for young people is it supports the development of creativity and critical thinking. Now, if you're sometimes wondering why we do that, it's because they have to do things logically, efficiently, effectively to solve the problem, as they've got to think about what the outcome is they want to achieve. What's the course they want Kobe to go around? Um, and they have to think about that beforehand, before they, they start thinking about the logical detail and the steps that they're going to develop. And they get feedback as a result, depending if he manages to, to make the course or not. Now, what I really love about this is the feedback in when you do coding, because what happens is the children have to recheck, and we call it debugging, if they make a mistake. So what's different about lots of learning? It's not a one and done approach to learning, which is so much learning is we we give our young people, we show them something and we want it done in one and done and we move on to the next. Um, it encourages them to persevere in their efforts and praising effort is really, really important as they learn something new, because that's what we want young people to be able to do is to persevere when they're learning. And this does it in a really fun and exciting way. So I think that um, coding in, in the way that this is doing it is, is fantastic. And, and, and as you said, it had lots of great reviews and the children seem to be really engaged with it. Now, is it versatile to meet specific needs? Well, the main issue highlighted that I could find out in user reviews is, and having seen it, is that the tiles themselves are um, quite fiddly to clip together. And so children with motor issues may need a little bit of support with their, you know, for dexterity. In terms of uh, value for money, the only thing I would say is it comes in at about £50. So I think, you know, you'll find that tech toys are around there. Um, but the, I have seen that the price, again, fluctuates with this one. But it's hard It's hard plastic, so I think it will last. But learning resources for Code & Go, if you want the additional, they have like a, a maths pack. And they have, if you want to buy another mouse so that you've got more than one child, that's going to be an extra £20 or so. So, you know, think about that, because when you buy a game, a coding game like this, and you've got more than one child, they're both, one's not going to want to wait for the other. They want, both want to program and see if it works on their board one after the other. Um, so that's important. The other thing to think about is, and I'm just going to mention that, is do think, because you will lose their engagement if you do it on a surface that's not flat because it makes it harder for Kobe to go around. So these are little things that you need to think about with these sorts of um, games. But yes, a good game, really useful for the six plus, I would say. Thanks, Kerry. That makes a lot of sense. And I said I'd come back about safety, because really there's very little to quibble about here, because this is not a toy that can be connected to the internet, can't be accessed from other devices. There's no risk of the child being tracked or recorded as they're using the toy. So... In terms of issues around data and safety, with that respect, then I think 
there are no concerns whatsoever. Looking forward to doing this one because it brings back really fond memories. And this is the Tamagotchi. So, you know, parents, many of you might know it. Your children won't have heard of it or they may do, but it's more likely you'll have heard of it because it it, it came back. It was original toy in the 90s, if you're as old as me. Um, And it's back with a vengeance. It's around about the eight year old age. Um, But originally, when I think it came out around about 96, 97, uh, it was um, the Tamagotchi virtual pet. It was uh, Tama meaning, I think, Tamago meaning egg and Gotchi meaning watch. Now, if you're if you're um, Japanese and listening to that and I've said that wrong, I apologize profusely now. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with a Tamagotchi, there's like small um, alien species that deposit eggs on Earth to see what life is like. And it's up to the player to raise the egg into an adult creature. And the creature goes through several stages of growth and will develop differently depending on the care that the player, that your child provides it with. So the better care resulting in an adult creature that is happier, smarter, requires less attention. The success of your character, your pet, is dependent on how responsible and particularly how attentive you are as an owner. Now, in terms of user agency, it appeals to our nurturing instinct. In this case, the urge to look after a digital pet. And you don't have you don't have any worries about where to put it when you go on holiday um, because you can take it anywhere with you. So it, you follow its growth and you make sure it doesn't die. And it teaches you responsibility, taking care and motor skills because some of the games you need to think fast um, to respond to what it needs. Now, it managed to provoke such a strong emotional response in many children, that there were lots of reports. Now, we had them in school because we used them as an aspect of PSHE many years ago. And what was interesting was the emotional response was so strong that we had children arriving at lessons late because their pet needed feeding or needed some attention. And it was more important to do that than to walk back to classroom and tell the teacher that they were just going to do this at the same time. So we had all sorts of interesting things. It was really interesting to see. And I'm afraid I'm, I'm treading on your uh, question about engagement. But having used them in schools, it was really interesting to to hear children who were late for their next session or for even for, you know, those sporting children who were late for going to football saying, yeah, but my, my Tamagotchi needed feeding or whatever name they'd then given it. So the daily routine that these children have when they've got this digital pet teaches them self-responsibility, empathy, and selfless, you know, selflessness and qualities that you know that we do value. Um, they've also got you can get gotchi points. Um, so there's a bit of maths there, but most importantly, they're real fun. They're real fun. Is it versatile? Well, I would say for specific needs, you've got to be careful. The digital display is dark. And the other thing that I remember from, from physically having them in schools. I had a number of parents because the Tamagotchi is still going on in the background. The program is still going on in the background because you've got to look after it like you would have to look after any pets that you you had in reality. So it could wake you up in the middle of the night screaming. Now, if you've got a child who needs their sleep, that's not what you need. But I had lots of parents who um, had different viewpoints on that. And I had some who thought it was great because now their child knew what it was like when they as parents were woken up. But, you know, if you've got a child that has a sleeping issue, you don't want to leave them with the Tamagotchi at night if it's going to wake them up. OK, so so that's an issue. Uh, in terms of value for money, um, I think they're around about £24. So it's an ex- because they're tiny. If you're going to use it as a stocking filler, it's quite an expensive one. Um, but I have to say that, that 
when they were out before and when I used them in schools, they were universally enjoyed. I find this a fascinating one. So yes, I remember the early Tamagotchis. I bought one for my for my daughter when they when they first came out, and it didn't last that long. But they are made by something called the Bandai Corporation. And originally, when they came out, the statement from Mary Woodward, spokesman for the Bandai Corporation, was Tamagotchi is more than a toy. It's a learning device. It teaches people to be responsible, to care for something like a pet. Now, the evidence about whether that's actually true or not, of course, like so much of the evidence in the academic literature, is inconclusive, shall we say. There are some who feel that it does evoke the sense of responsibilities and others who feel that it doesn't and that actually it can cause raised anxiety levels in children. Frustration. And frustration. So I think, you know, we have to be realistic about looking at something like this and perhaps not buying into that dream totally and being aware that that dream, so-called, of of being a learning device and, and teaching responsibility may have positives, may have negatives. And I think for some children that might be more of an issue than for others. So I, I would say that there is the evidence is mixed, is what I'm going to say when it comes to evidence about this. But they can be a lot of fun, and many children do have a lot of fun with them. Uh, there are lots of different versions of them, and over the years they've become more connected. So you can have connections between Tamagotchi physically by knocking them together, there is some ability for some connectivity, but it's very limited. So in general, the issues of safety are limited when it comes to the the, the safety issues around data and, and ethics and connectivity. But I think there are some ethical questions to be asked about the extent to which it is something you want your child to engage with, taking on responsibility for a virtual pet. For many, that will be seen as positive. But as I say, there is work that suggests that it can make some children overly anxious. I think you've brought up a really important point with all technologies. Context is key and knowing your child and what they need to to meet their needs is the most important thing. And I think, you know, when we were saying, is it versatile enough to meet specific needs? I mean, we have Tamagotchis, as I said, as part of a PSHE programme for about two, you know, two weeks in school. That was enough. That was enough. Um, so I think it's like everything. You've got to be mindful of why you're doing it, what your rationale is for, and a bit like using any technology. You know, when is it that you're going to take it away because it's not appropriate? It's, you know, it's not useful for them to have anymore because there was a frustration level for some for some children in it. Um, and interesting, there were some reports asking about whether it was catering for um, particularly the female gender more in the terms of the way it was being presented. So there were issues around it. But again, as I say, context is key whenever you're whenever you're developing anything, bringing in something at the right time, knowing your child and having that conversation. Absolutely. One does need to be a bit careful. I mean, 83 million of them were sold. Uh, so I think, you know, they were clearly very popular. But ultimately, your Tamagotchi is going to die. And, you know, there are areas in of Tamagotchi cemeteries, the fact that ultimately that Tamagotchi will die. And I think that does need to be taken into account. So I think in terms of, of, of longevity, for some children, I think 
they can be a longer term pleasure. But I think for many, if 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 the tamagotchi doesn't thrive and it dies quite quickly, interest can wane quite quickly as well. And it's got to be done in the context of why you're using, you know, if, because you will get to that death point. So how are you going to deal with that? Well, that's been a quick run through uh, a variety of different toys that are, are selling well at the moment. I hope you found it useful. We framed it around those six questions. Questions that I was interested in were user agency. So, you know, were the child ch- was the child able to be in charge of the particular toy? Did they have control over it so they could be creative or get something, some learning from it because we were looking and fun and enjoyment from it. Um, we were looking to see if it was versatile enough to meet the specific needs of certain groups of children. So, you know, their manual dexterity, did they need something that was it was able to, to be more visual because they had sight impairments? What is it specifically for your child? And was it value for money or did you have to buy so many additions to it that your initial budget was blown out of the water because actually... The, you know, the starter part price for it only gave you limited uh, engagement with it before you needed to buy all these additions to, to keep your child interested. And my questions were, was there any evidence? And in the main, the answer to that is no, not directly about the products, but there was some. There were some um, independent reviews that had been conducted and there were some examples where there was some evidence um, over the years for similar products or for the idea behind the product. I was also looking at long-term engagement beyond the wow factor, and that speaks very closely to Karen's point about user engagement. And we certainly had some examples where there was good potential uh, for there to be long-term engagement. And then lastly, I was looking at safety and ethics. And that's particularly relevant when the device in some way allows your child to engage in phone calls or connect to the internet in some way. And then one needs to ask questions about the the measures that are put in place in order to ensure that that's being done safely. I hope you found this useful. One final point that I'd like to make is that I don't think we've talked a great deal about online beyond the question of safety and ethics and data. And I do think at this time of year, you know, there are a lot of questions about the kinds of technologies that enable children to go online. So I thought it was worth pointing out that actually um, to fill this little gap, we would suggest an excellent source of information from one of our guests on the EdTech podcast this month, and that's Richard Collata, who's CEO of ISTI. And his book, Digital for Good, Raising Kids to Thrive in an Online World, is actually a really great resource. Um, and given that Richard also has four children, he brings a great parental perspective to the debate. He stresses the need to focus on positive and not just negatives, particularly when talking to children. It's all too easy to say, don't play that computer game, rather than perhaps couching that in a more positive encouragement to involve other members or friends in playing that computer game. Or it's easy to dub all video games as being negative, when some of them are great tools for collaboration, for example. One of the tips that Richard's given that I think is particularly useful is that rather than setting screen time limits, encourage children to recognise their own signals about when they've had enough. That takes time, obviously, but helping them to recognise when they've had enough and to make the decision for themselves can be really helpful. As he points out, we don't introduce food time, which might be something like for the next hour, you can eat anything you want, chocolate, candy, whatever, and then time's up. So why do we want to do the same for technology? 
In the words of a psychologist, Dr. Um, Lazarou Drew, technology is like vegetables and candy. And I think you said that there's good in it and there's bad, but you need to weigh up your purchase and put it in your favor. So the two points I'd like to give you are one, read the reviews, make sure they're the verified ones though, and check to see if there are any any concerns. And you can filter to the most critical and um, the best, you know, the most helpful reviews. Ensure your child is ready and prepared. And I think we've picked up on that a bit because all these tools are not always, um, all these technologies are not always appropriate for all children at different times in their lives. You know, if granddad's died, you don't want to be playing with a, a, cam- a Tamagotchi where the Tamagotchi's uh, creature's just going to be, uh, just going to die. You need to have that conversation around it. And you may want to talk about internet safety and issues like cyberbullying, especially if there's social media involved or there's any other um, data being handed over because it's really important and you can do that from a very young age talk of um, explain to children about the importance of keeping their personal information safe and that can be done as, as young as four through toys but that's a whole other podcast that we'll tell you about at another time so i'd just like to end by saying many thanks for listening We hope that you found the discussion interesting and that the questions will be useful. So happy shopping. And don't forget to join us for future podcasts. Just go to the EdTech podcast website to see what's coming up.